Stand up with Pete Dominic. On drugs. Well, all week we've been talking drugs here on Stand Up. On Monday we did the history of drugs in America. On Tuesday we talked about the legal drugs. Still have to have a prescription form. Mainly we focus on OxyContin and painkillers. On Wednesday, uh, we took a bunch of calls on addiction. Who's our guest Wednesday on on drugs? What am I, who am I, who am I forgetting? Do we have a guest expert or do we Grant? just do? Grant Smith. Oh, Grant Smith that talked about, um, yeah, the Drug Policy Alliance, right? And then uh, he was great. Sorry, Grant, that I forgot you. Uh, and then I hate you, Pete. yesterday we had a really interesting debate between two former DEA agents on on drugs. And today we're wrapping it up with what we're calling our marijuana roundtable. And we're sitting at an octon- octagonal-shaped table here. Uh, and uh, we've got on uh, on one side of me, I've got assistant professor of clinical neurobiology in the Department of Psychiatry. Uh, so basically uh, a woman who followed my dreams um, <laughs> at the College of Physicians and Surgeons uh, at an Ivy League school, Columbia University. 2009, she completed her postdoctoral uh, fellowship under the under the mentorship of Dr. Uh, Drs. Margaret Havey and Sandra Comer in the Division on Substance Abuse at Columbia University, studying human behavioral pharmacology of cannabinoids and opioids. Uh, Dr. Ziva Cooper uh, is joining us. And then on the other side, we take a real step down uh, and we uh, we talk to the senior cultivation editor for the High Times magazine. He is an expert at growing marijuana. He's also the host of uh, the Free Weed podcast, uh, Danny Danko. You agree that when you have a woman who is educated in an Ivy League school and has a Ph.D., uh, that she is far better than people like you and I in terms of just the education. Element. Well, yeah, I graduated from BU, uh, All right. but no PhD. What degree like did you get a different way. She has a PhD in THC, which is even better. Ooh, I like that. Um, well, li- well done. This might work very well together. Um, uh, Dr. Ziva Cooper, I know you don't like to be called doctor. Um, you look too, too, far too young to have completed a PhD. I don't mean to flatter you, but did you never stop going to school? Uh, it's good genes. Good all right. Genes. Uh, <laughs> tell us about first of all. I want to know about b- what both of you do. Um, but you, you uh, remember, we don't understand what you do. Uh, you have to explain <laughs> it to us very kind of fundamentally, and I mean me and my audience, um, uh, who are some of them like me, don't understand the study of. Listen, let me just read it. Be, uh, human behavioral pharmacology of cannabinoids and opioids. What do you do? You conduct you conduct studies um, all day. I do. Uh, I, I write a lot, too. Right. Um, so I'm interested in understanding the neurobiological effects of um, psychoactive substances and specifically. So I'm concentrating on cannabinoids um, and I've done some some opioid work in the past. What what what's an I mean what is an example of a cannabinoid outside of marijuana? Um, so marijuana has um, uh, more than sixty phytocannabinoids. Um, so THC is the primary psychoactive component of marijuana, mm-hmm. um, and another one that's um, popular these days that's been in the news a lot is cannabidiol. Um, that is uh, um, in different amounts um, in different strains of marijuana. CBD. CBD. Mm-hmm. Is that – you guys can both weigh in on this. Um, is there anything unnatural in marijuana? Does anything get put in 
in marijuana, um, you know, because we talk about all other drugs pretty much, mm-hmm. I think, and you you could talk about opioids and so on, but like marijuana, that's why it's called weed. You can just go grow it in your yard. It might not be high quality or whatever, but is there anything that gets put in it that's um, unnatural, that's not, you know, naturally occurring? Right. So, um, and I think Danny can probably talk, speak to this, but in, uh, you know, black black market marijuana, and I put that in, in quotations, um, there's been shown to be, you know, pesticides, I think like 40 times the EPA allowable amount. Right. Um, and, you know, mold. And um, so definitely depends on how the marijuana is being. Right. Handled, so like but... all like almost all food products. And I would imagine growers um, are, do their best to avoid that uh, using pesticides. I mean, we eat organic. I would, I, you know, we try to avoid that in my house. My kids marijuana doesn't have any pesticides. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, is that that's she's absolutely right about the pesticides, especially on the black market, because they just want to grow as much as they can and sell it. They don't give a shit about Right. Um, but they don't want to poison you. But, hey, that's pesticides are right. Well, um, when you're asking if there's, you know, natural, it's, it's it's a question of what you're adding to it. So if you're putting uh, plant foods that are organic and you're not using pesticides, then for sure, it's very natural. That's why I try to encourage people to grow their own, uh, because that's the way you know what went into it and right. what, you know, what strain it is what and all of those things. But uh, Ziva's right that, uh, you know, people are using pesticides out there and they, they're doing whatever they can to get uh, their their buds to market. And so, um, you know, we at High Times and, and myself uh, in particular try to encourage organic uh, growing. And but but technically, there's really nothing different from what you have in your apples at the right. store. You're buying I mean, them at the grocery store and not not in the organic. Uh, would you agree with that? I mean, like it, it's really technically not a lot different than most of the produce that we buy if it's not quote-unquote, organically produced. Um, yeah, I mean... The difference uh, is you're smoking it and not right, eating right. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I've smoked an apple before. <laughs> uh, I haven't. That didn't even make any sense. Wait, so, you're, not, you're not supposed to eat weed? Uh, no. There that are, doesn't do I mean, anything. I've been wasting it all these years. Eating yeah. it just straight isn't really the desired way to do that. And the way that you activate those uh, cannabinoids that uh, Ziva was talking about is to heat it. Um, it's water... Uh, Butter soluble, oil soluble. Right. So um, that's the way those edibles are made. But if um, you just eat a bud of marijuana, it doesn't. What happens? You, um, you catch a mild buzz for sure. Really? It's just not not going to be quite. Yeah, your body will break it down and you'll feel it. But uh, if you took that same bud and cooked it in oil or right. butter, you would definitely be a much and stronger. You'll be less effect. hungry. Talk to us about um, um, your big study that you've conducted and 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 and, and what you've learned from uh, from your studies. Dr. Dr. Cooper. Um, so I'm interested in two aspects of um, the neurobiology of cannabinoids. One one aspect is the potential therapeutic use of of cannabinoids of these chemicals that are found in marijuana, um, and I'm also interested in um, understanding the abuse liability and um, dependence that can occur on on cannabinoids like marijuana. So let's talk, talk first. Talk about the the usage of medicinal marijuana uh, as a painkiller, because there's a lot of there have been so many different studies, including one that I believe that you conducted on on, on that, and and if it's better or worse than more traditional painkillers or other pharmaceutical drugs used for that. Um, I you always hear anecdotally uh, from people calling uh, with MS mm-hmm. uh, that are on chemo, people that. You know, suffering from different burn victims. I, we've heard from a, a number of veterans um, that marijuana helps them with their pain. Mm-hmm. What 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 have you learned about marijuana's usage uh, for pain? 
Right. So um, specifically, so when I when I talk about um, cannabinoids, um, specifically THC, what we found was that um, THC does decrease the the pain response. Um, THC has been found uh, previously to to decrease um, pain um, and uh, specifically neuropathic pain. And with what's, the that, what's that? that? What's that? What's neuropathic pain? <laughs> Come on, doctor. Um, it's different than um, acute inflammation. <laughs> I don't think I know what that is either. I'm an idiot. So, like the like um, uh, name named an injury or illness that we can compare here, so I can know. I, so, like a cut, um, like, like a ten- tennis elbow, or, or like if a, a no, you know, bum knee, uh, that's neuro. That's, so you don't know that's either. inflammation. No, yeah. So more like um, like diabetic neuropathy or um, but MS. Uh, well, so MS. So the thought is that um, cannabinoids can be very useful in the spasticity for MS um, as well as the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, uh, there there are two uh, uh, THC uh, drugs on the market, uh, Marinol and or Marinol, and that was it's FDA approved for um, appetite suppression and nausea. But in our study, what we found was that it also um, decreases pain. And that wasn't surprising. Marinol. Marinol, right. That's a synthetic form of, of It's THC, THC. Um, but it's not extracted from the plant. And what we did was we compared um, smoked marijuana to the oral form um, because nobody's ever kind of done a side-by-side comparison. And people argue um, that marijuana is good to relieve pain. And so, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily like to to smoke things. Um, there are definitely um, contraindications to smoking. And so we did the side-by-side comparison. And what we found, um, as we predicted, was that the oral THC, just like a brownie, if you've ever eaten a pot brownie, it lasts longer. The analgesic effects, the pain-relieving effects, last a lot longer than the smoked marijuana. Um, and and, and you don't have to deal with worry about the smoke. You don't have to worry about the smoke. You don't have to worry about you know going out to smoke a joint every 45 minutes in order to relieve your pain. Um, you know, now there are a lot of in California, um, I think there are 18 indications for which people can be prescribed medical marijuana. Um, and, you know, those indications range from migraine to um, anxiety, back pain. And I think like the last indication is, you know, if your physician thinks that it would you'd benefit from it. And the, the issue is, <laughs> is that, right, um, so you anyway. know, there, ha- there haven't really been um, controlled studies demonstrating um, the effects of cannabinoids and the efficacy of cannabinoids. It's really like the only, I can't think of another example in medicine where um, the therapeutic effect of a substance is not um, dealt with in a, in a scientifically rigorous manner. And I think, I mean, from uh, we haven't gotten into this yet, but it kind of... Uh, as somebody who's interested in the therapeutic effects of these um, chemicals, it kind of delegitimizes the actual potential of it. Um, it kind of it gets veiled in this, I think, political argument of, um, you know, should we legalize it or not? So what did you, what did you find? I mean, what do, what do you, will you can you say that you advocate advocate for uh, smoking versus uh, ingesting like a Marinol uh, in terms of of pain? Because I'm. I'm sorry, but I'm confused, and I did all this prep on your study, but I'm still like, wh- what did you? Wh- what is the outcome? It's interesting how you conducted the study, of course, mm-hmm. and you, you know, you're using placebos and so on. 
um, smoking it, uh, ingesting it, um, you know, putting the hand in the water, cold water, <laughs> right. which is, you know, the pain, uh, right. you know, instead of hammering someone uh, with, <laughs> with, a, with a hammer uh, or other uh, things that you could do. But what 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 is the outcome? What do you think uh, your studies have proven? If I anything. mean, that particular study, what that particular study demonstrates is that um, when you utilize, you know, this orally available form, you can um, increase the um, duration and the effectiveness of its of uh, THC's effects. And also another part of the study demonstrates that um, these were mar- marijuana smokers that we were studying um, and they uh, reported you know, that they didn't um, feel as high on the oral THC as they did with the smoked marijuana. They reported not liking it as much. The smoked Mm. marijuana um, showed to have a higher abuse liability, what we call abuse liability um, in the lab than the oral THC. So that's important also for a potential therapy is that, you know, we have the opiates out there, which are um, uh, excellent for pain. But they also show really high abuse liability. Right, right. Major, major addiction issues. Everybody uh, can probably knows or relate rate, relate to that. So we're talking to Ziva Cooper. She's a doctor at uh, Columbia University, and Danny Danko is also here. Uh, he is the senior cultivation editor for High Times Magazine. Now, if you pick up a, a copy of High Times Magazine, you see that you, you guys do really well. I would imagine your advertising budget is probably really good uh, because there's so many different products on the market. She's talking about Marinol. I mean, you can get THC in, in anything, lollipops and, and all kinds of fruit, uh, food products and so on, right? Absolutely. I mean, depending on where you're located, for sure. Um, if you're in a medical state or particularly now Colorado or Washington state, <clears throat> um, you're able to pick up those type of products. And um, as to the advertising, I mean, we are, I think, the only magazine that's adding pages you know, these days, yeah. Um, as it, magazines, because this are, is such an emerging industry, it is such an unbelievable. It's very fascinating to watch because there does seem to be, again, anecdotal from the growers that I I know in uh, in in Colorado, a lot of like morality and ethical behavior, business wise. They don't want to sell out to these huge corporations. Yeah. You know? uh, so true. it's a, it's a very interesting um, industry to watch emerge. How, let me just ask you this though: when I you're a cultivator and 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 you can look at these magazines and you can see all these different ads for all these different kinds of strains. And I'm sure uh, Dr. Cooper can speak to this as well. What the hell's the difference between <laughs> diesel and Royal Haze and dance world and, 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 and headband. And, 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 I mean, it's the names are hilarious. Unicorn so underpants. It's basically the <laughs> genetics. You know, there's, there's marijuana from all over the world and it's adapted to different places. And uh, you have indicas and sativas um, and ba- the basic difference it being that, Indicas grow uh, higher up in mountains and in higher altitudes, so uh, they say shorter and stockier, and it's more of a, a couch lock kind of stone. And then their sativas are, are more equatorial, and they have a longer flowering period, and they're more of an up sort of uh, cerebral buzz that people get from that. And so, and that's based on um, cannabinoids, the things that, that Ziva was talking about, the interplay between THC and CBD and uh, THCA it's, and CB1. and there's, But there's, there's a reason why all these different strains, obviously you're talking about where, they're, where they grow naturally and so on, but there's a different, there's a reason why they're also marketed, right? And, yeah, and so well, what's, the, what's the difference in terms of the high or mm-hmm. the experience? Because to me, it's like marijuana is marijuana. You got, you got a little high or you got <laughs> even stoned, if you will. But like what how much of a difference and then, you know, to Dr. Cooper, if, if you've studied the difference in these 
and these highs. But first, uh, uh, to Danny. Yeah, I mean, there are uh, major differences, really, between uh, different varieties of marijuana. And the seed breeders uh, actually take, you know, something from, let's say, something that's native to Afghanistan and then something that's native to uh, Africa. And you cross those and you're getting something that uh, may not have occurred naturally, you know, in nature, but um, something new, a hybrid that, um, you know, the terpene uh, um, profile is different from other strains. And that's talking and saying <laughs> that gives it, you profile. know, that lemony that taste or, or skunky odor. Right. All those things are traits and they're genetic traits, just like we have. Uh, different genetic. So let traits. me ask you both this. Um, you know, one of the arguments that we hear from the the anti marijuana folks, the, the drug warriors, if you will, is that there is the, it, the marijuana these days is far more potent than the marijuana we smoked when we were younger. Uh, Dr. Cooper, is that true? And what does it mean? Um, yeah. So in the I think from 1998 to 2008, even before, um, you know, upwards of 20 states had medical marijuana um, passed. The um, potency of THC, the concentration of THC found in seized marijuana increased from like 4% to 10%. And that was in, in, you know, between 1998 and 2008. So, I mean, imagine what it is now with all these different strains being um, being cultivated. Um, and what that means in terms of like a pu- general public health concern is that, you know, we know and what um, Dr. Haney, who I work with, has studied is that. Um, you know, smoking marijuana every day can produce physiological dependence. Um, what is that? What is physio? What's what is the difference between physiological dependence and, and, and psychological dependence? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. But one, it's like your body needs it, and the other is just like you think you just want it. It's like um, um, they're kind. Of, they're kind it's of almost the same. like cake. And cigarettes. Uh, right. So, you know, I think of in I terms want of like... cake. I need cigarettes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't like either of those, actually. But, but I thought people could relate. Um, you know, in terms of mood and um, affect, um, you know, I I, uh, I believe that uh, mood and affect is very much determ- determined by your biology. Right. So okay. when you feel irritable or when you feel happy and sad, those um, those emotions are are regulated by a biological system. And so when I when I talk about physiological dependence, I, I'm talking about just dependence in general. So so what happens is, you know, when you have somebody who's been smoking um, every single day, uh, what you know, depending on how much they smoke, um, when they stop, um, there is a, a syndrome that occurs where there are um, physical symptoms um, and mood symptoms, um, and they usually don't come on until a day or two after smoking. I, stops. I could imagine that, like about about a lot of things, though, too. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Like, absolutely. Yeah, I think exercise. I think example. it's important. Yeah. It's important to note that you know we're talking about a fairly mild effects comparatively. To almost any other psychoactive thing, you but know, it is, it is including alcohol. You know, I mean, clearly usage of marijuana and dependence on marijuana is less than even that of alcohol. Right. So, um, I think you know it's important to put that in perspective. We're Do, not. What, what about the potency thing though that she was talking about in terms of the potency of THC going up and what? I mean, that's true. Th- right? There's always been potent strains, and I think they're just now more, generally more available. But and the, it, here, here's the thing that you know I, I've heard a lot of people say, and I, I think it's true. No one's ever died from a marijuana overdose. It's it's physiologically almost impossible. You could smoke marijuana all day, every day, and, and it wouldn't kill you. I suppose the effect uh, on your lungs over a long term could give you a cancer or something. But you can't, like a lot of other drugs, 
um, Tylenol, for example. I could eat a bottle of Tylenol and die, but you mm-hmm. couldn't smoke marijuana as you know as much as you could possibly smoke and, and die. I mean, that's you don't have the uh, <laughs> no. a, a marijuana overdose, mm-hmm. right? The way most that's people just would. called a nap. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like a limiting behavior there. The worst that thing probably... that could happen if you smoked marijuana all day, the worst thing clinically that could happen is you become Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, but I mean, I, but I, there I, are issues out there, you know, in Colorado um, with uh, accidental You could turn black smoking but... marijuana. <laughs> right. actually be, change my race. I, I'm sorry, go I, ahead. I do, I do want to mention, I, I hate to be a bummer, but uh, the truth is no one has died from marijuana, but many, many, many people have died from marijuana prohibition. And uh, sure. Yeah. And also people you could probably say, um, you know, like my wife, you know, will get would get uh, paranoid. She would say years ago, she get really paranoid and anxious and, and end up in the hospital because she just let it get away. The marijuana made her feel that well, a lot of people have that have that um, reaction to it. Uh, major anxiety and panic attacks. They don't actually die, but they end up in the emergency room. They end up, you know, doing, you know, maybe doing weird things or something, but it's not the marijuana. But anyway, you were saying right. no, the so, concern. I mean, the, the concern doesn't have to do with the, the necessarily the lethal effects. Um, the concern is more about this subset, this subset of the population that um, and because so many people smoke marijuana, um, you know, nine percent of people that have ever smoked marijuana will um, the rates are nine uh, percent will come up, will develop a marijuana dependence. And again, it is subtle, but it does just like uh, nicotine withdrawal. It does um, bother a subset of people. Um, and that's, uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with these higher, um, sh- you know, the higher potency strains. Um, as a scientist, one would hypothesize that um, dependence will become um, more severe as people start smoking um, stronger marijuana. Um, but, you know, that hasn't been looked at. That hasn't been studied. What do we know? Um, I think, you know, that there's a benefit to higher potency levels, meaning that you you smoke less to get the high that you're looking for. You're a and, terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, there's a plus side well, to higher potency levels. And so it's not for everybody. And I've, I've definitely so, spoken to people who are looking for stuff that's not as potent. So what about the idea um, of, of smoking less, meaning what you're saying there is, is the benefit of less smoke in your lungs. So a lot of people will argue uh, the benefits of, of vaporizing versus smoking. And so I don't, of course, quite understand that. But what do we know? And, and maybe uh, we don't. Maybe this isn't you haven't look, taken a look at this, Dr. Cooper, but the 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 uh, long term effects of heavy usage of marijuana or even light usage of marijuana. We, we have some pretty conclusive evidence of long term effects of cigarette smoking. The difference, of course, between cigarettes and marijuana is there's tons and hundreds of chemicals uh, in, 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 in cigarettes that could be causing the cancer. But it doesn't seem logical. And I have an associate's degree in nothing. Uh, that that ingesting smoke into your lungs a lot is a is a good idea. That sounds like a bad idea, period. But what do we know? What do studies say about marijuana smoking over the long term in terms of cancer and other health risks? Uh, well, just getting back to the vaporization and, and, um, and versus vaporization, right? Um, so you know, it's difficult to kind of suss out the uh, long term detrimental effects of smoking marijuana because um, it kind of gets muddied up that a lot of marijuana smokers also have been smoking cigarettes. Tough study to conduct. So, yeah, it's a pretty tough study to conduct. Um, but, you know, there there have been reported to be like increased rates of um, respiratory infection and illness with marijuana smoking. But again, it's difficult to study. But in terms of vaporization, there have been um, some very good studies out there that demonstrate that vaporizing marijuana 
um, will, uh, you know, you achieve the same what we call plasma THC levels as you do with smoked, but you have minimal um, carbon monoxide expiration. And mm-hmm. whenever you smoke anything, whenever you stand behind a bus, whenever you, um, you know, are I suck on tailpipes. Whenever you suck on tailpipes, just leave right? your just leave your windows so, open in New York. I just exactly, need a ride. exactly, right. Yeah. Um, in the summertime also, um, you have uh, high CO levels. And when you vaporize marijuana, these CO levels are negligible. So it does seem like vaporizing is a, you What's know, the difference between these, like, these new e-cigarettes? Like, what are, I mean, everybody's talking about these. Like, what, why are you smiling? Like, the, are you. The vape pens? Yeah. Yeah, well, they're, um, they're used basically as a discreet way to vaporize. Um, Cigarette smoke. Well, there's, there's. No, I'm talking, ones I'm with, talking there's about nicotine. The, there's I'm ones with nicotine oil and there's yeah. one with, with uh, you know, you can use it with marijuana flowers or marijuana hash oil, which is very popular, getting more and more popular these days. So the, the so what goes in those e-cigarette things is an oil? It's not like you're not you're not it, putting tobacco in depending, there. No, depending on if you're using an, a nicotine oil or yeah. a hash oil, which is, you know, what's derived from marijuana, yeah. um, the nicotine oil is a d- different thing. So there's people that are using e-cigarettes to in order to reduce or quit their cigarette usage. And then there's people who are using what we call vape pens in order to basically just discreetly consume right. marijuana or marijuana Say oil. Say at the Magic Kingdom with your family in April. So, uh, <laughs> no, my buddy is a teacher uh, who, who uh, works in California. Anyway, uh, it's a lady. Uh, if I haven't misled you completely with all of those details. So w- let me just ask you this, though, Danny, because I and, – and, and I, obviously, Dr. Kuby, you can weigh in on this as so well. I, is there like um, – is there a real debate between like smoking and vaporizing and, and and what's better and you know and what people I mean emerging trends here with marijuana ingestion I know you can weigh on in on that as well but what, what what's happening with with how people uh, consume marijuana you can smoke it you can vaporize it you obviously you can you can ingest it in brownies and and so on yeah I mean what I'm seeing is that it's becoming very popular to use the vape pens it's becoming very popular to uh, consume hash oil they call it dabs or a bunch of other um slang. how is that consumed it's uh, hash oil it's basically consumed in in a you traditional bong kind of you burn it you, you burn it but well it's vaporized basically it's like you heat something it's the old hot knife method that they used to use in the old days you heat something up until it's very very hot and then you touch it with the oil and it vaporizes the oil instantaneously and you inhale that and so one thing I, we should touch on is we talked about marijuana as pain relief, but it's also, I believe, stress relief. And stress is one of the number one killers if you if you consider all of that. And all, for all our veterans that are returning from uh, Iraq and Afghanistan um, with symptoms of PTSD and things like that. Yeah, I read a, I re- I read a story and interviewed a guy who, who literally, like, that was his only thing. He I meet on, them. He tried every drug and nothing did it for him. And then he I started gotta, using marijuana and... And you look skeptical, Dr. No, uh, but well, On the stress relief no, thing, you're going to give us some doctor, uh, clinical, scientific no, the, <laughs> answer. Next thing with you know, PTSD. you're going to tell me climate change is real. <laughs> no, so P- with PTSD, actually, um, I think there was a study in, in veterans with PTSD, and it was shown that um, the severity of marijuana dependence uh, was associated with the severity of PTSD symptoms. So it might be possible that, you know, people might be self-medicating. Right. Well, um, but the alternative is that they're being prescribed very, very strong pills that are killing them and they're drinking themselves to death and they're committing suicide. So to me, as marijuana as an alternative to those three factors that are happening daily to these veterans is a great thing. And I think that 
um, you know, they should definitely consider that. I've met. I'm not saying it's one or the other, right. by the way. I'm just saying that it, it would be to demonstrate that cannabinoids do have a potential therapeutic effect for PTSD mm-hmm. is an important um, thing to look at. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Well, I mean, so, we so, have millions of people coming back from these places and there, and they've seen and done things that well, they're not. There's, there's, there, there are advocates. Um, there, there are the ideas that advocates like you and I, I, I would imagine we don't disagree on much, want to believe. And there are truths of what Dr. Cooper has found in these studies. But the thing, correct me if I'm wrong, these are very difficult uh, conclusions to come to, issues to study. Um, so, so the way that we um, – Because you just said it, the benefits, you know, that would be a really interesting thing. We should take a look at that and there have been studies. But do we know – I mean do we know conclusively on, on a lot of these? Well, that can be studied in the laboratory just yeah. like we studied um, the analgesic effects of smoked marijuana and oral THC. It is very possible to study the therapeutic effects of cannabinoids on PTSD symptoms in the lab. But how, um, how, hamper, how hampered are you by the government and by the fact that marijuana is a Schedule One narcotic with allegedly no medicinal benefits at all? I mean it's, it's in a schedule with the harshest of, of drugs that – the government says have no medical benefit. So how tough um, is it to pull these studies off? I mean, to pull them off, we have, we study marijuana. I mean, what I would be interested in is in looking at, um, you know, maybe comparing marijuana to a, um, a medication that's already out there that has similar effects like Nabilone or like Marinol. But the, um, to, 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 to make his question a little bit more finer, are there are there uh, laws that prevent you from conducting studies that you want because of what these laws about these drugs? Um, in theory, uh, yes. Um, you know, our, I'm fortunate enough to work in a group where we do have, um, you know, there are a few laboratories in the country where we can study marijuana and marijuana's effects. Um, you know, that that's how like we study the, that's how we study, uh, dependence as well and withdrawal. Um, that's how we study abuse liability. Um, and, uh, that's how, you know, we can look at, um, you know, in a scientifically rigorous manner, we can look at the psychoactive and therapeutic, uh, another, of, uh, another argument, um, uh, that, that gets made that we hear a lot about when we're talking about marijuana is the the gateway drug argument, and so um, that's also a, a very interesting one thing to me because a lot of you know people on my side will say, well, milk then it, it can be a gateway drug. I mean, milk is a gateway drug to beer, and beer is a gateway drug to to, to marijuana, and marijuana is a gateway drug to, to heroin. But I mean, I think we can all probably agree anecdotally, most marijuana smokers don't jump to the next thing because. Uh, the next thing seems really, really scary and, and, and dangerous, um, including alcohol, really, uh, to some extent. And you could probably, again, anecdotally, uh, take a look at how much marijuana has replaced alcohol as a recreational drug, a stress reliever, et cetera. But what do we, what do you, what do we know about marijuana's uh, potential as a gateway to something, uh, quote unquote, worse? Mm-hmm. Um, we know that there are uh, numerous contributing factors to other drug use. Um, and, uh, you know, it might be an association, um, that people who smoke marijuana might go on to use other drugs, but, you know, there are so many other variables that go into that. Including the dealer saying, you like that? (laughs) Try this. Well, yeah. And I think that's a factor of prohibition. And I think if you look at places like, uh, Colorado or Washington, California, places where it's, it's fairly, it's become easier for people to have access to good quality marijuana. Those people are certainly not, you know, moving on in any kind of droves to, 
you know, cocaine use or, or heroin or other things like that. And most of the marijuana users I know, marijuana is really the, their only vice. Do you agree with that? I mean, do we know <laughs> I mean, if they this are is like, not? that's like anecdotal. So, I mean, that might be the case. Definitely but, anecdotal. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, um, there are a lot of contributing factors to you're uh, here to crush is. anecdotes, but, but that's what you're the gateway. I, know. I mean, gateway. I can't, the gateway hypothesis is not, um, you know, it was uh, conclusive. I think it was, uh, it was, you know, it was formed during a time when the war against drugs was really popular. So you don't and, think, but there's not uh, any science that you've seen, sound science or peer review science that you think conclusively says that, yeah, if you try, you know, and, and, and use marijuana, um, you're you're more it's association. Likely. It's association. What right. what is interesting though is that if you are an adolescent and you do smoke marijuana, you're more likely to continue smoking marijuana and more likely to become dependent um, rather than if you're an adult. It does seem like there have been a lot of studies out there, and, and and I tend to agree with this again anecdotally. But uh, that that the the younger you start smoking, the more of an effect it will have on yeah. your brain, and the later you start smoking, the less of an effect it'll have on your brain. And then of course the psychological thing of of smoking. I mean, it it can certainly I can argue that it, it, it ruins your motivation. I can also argue that it's a, an amazing drug for uh, ADD, uh, anecdotally. But uh, what do we know about what you know the harm that marijuana? You're smirking at me with the with the ADD one. <laughs> no, no, I mean I, I think that that's an interesting hypothesis, and I think that that you know deserves some um, scientific attention. One guy's going to sit around playing video games. The right. other guy's cleaning his you know, house our, from top we, to bottom. We yeah. always ask people when they come into our studies why they like to smoke marijuana, and you know the second most popular um, response we get is that it helps them focus. Really? Um, yeah. The first one is you know that it helps them relax. I think I think the key is that. It affects different people differently. It helps me fly my commercial mm-hmm. airliner. You know, it affects different people. <laughs> it affects different people differently, and it's not for everybody. But I think that because of the illegality of it, people uh, don't understand that it's for more people than than are using it now. Danny, off think. air, you said you wish more infants smoked marijuana. But on record, <laughs> you're not. No, our that. you know our policy is you know you're developing your brain and and all of that. I mean, we're we're for responsible adult use of marijuana. If it's affecting your life in a negative manner. Then you need to reconsider your what you're doing. But I know so many productive marijuana smokers. This myth of the uh, lazy stoner is. I mean, sure, there's people who live up to that stereotype, uh, and you know, I don't think that pot makes you lazy. I but think I- that lazy people enjoy smoking pot. You know, and and I also think that you know, hmm. I've met lawyers, doctors, yeah. you know, people from all walks of life smoke pot, and um, so being pigeonholed into this, you know, kind of non-productive. Um, stoner mentality. I mean, we're 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 coming out of that. People, you know, grandmothers smoke pot. No. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah, and I think that responsible adult use is far better for society than what we've got going now, where people's houses are being raided, they're yeah. being s- separated from their families, their dogs are being shot. Um, it, you know, all based on this. Flower. That only happened a couple times. It happens a lot. You would be surprised shot. how many times no, but, people's yeah, homes are invaded, and you know, there's this sort of uh, drug war uh, idea that you know people who use drugs don't have the same rights as other Americans, and I think um, now that's being expanded into greater society, and I think that's one of the reasons that uh, people are looking into legalization of marijuana mm-hmm. and and all of that because. Uh, it's an assault on our our rights, basically. Well, the 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 uh, the disadvantages are really, I think, outweighed in many ways. Certainly, in terms of the way it tears apart uh, families and, and and so many other things, and the advantages and, and positives of it. Right, um, I, and I agree with that. You um, do. But there is no uh, debating the fact that 
with um, legalization, there will be increased use and there will be a decreased perceived risk and there will be increased use in our in the adolescent population. Um, so I think that one positive thing that could occur from um, legalization is a very frank and honest, scientifically honest conversation about the negative effects of marijuana um, and also uh, regulation as well. I mean, in Colorado now in January, I believe that there's going to be a warning on all um, marijuana products saying that, uh, you know, there's going to be an age limit and it's going to be um, mm-hmm. implemented. The problem, but the problem I, think, with the- I think it's easier under prohibition for kids to get their hands on marijuana than it is if it's legal. I mean, we have that situation with alcohol as well. I mean, kids, it's harder for, it's harder right now for a kid to get uh, alcohol than it is for them to get marijuana. It's, it's, any I mean, kid the, can tell the you. Thing, the thing that for me, I mean, I'm, I'm a parent. Do you guys have kids? You don't have kids, no. Dr. Cooper, do yes. you? You do, Dan. Um, do they know what you do for a living? Um <laughs> Uh, my daddy's the editor of uh, the <laughs> Cultivation Expert at High Times. Uh, hello, Mr. Danko. Welcome to your parent-teacher conference. There's got to be a lot of comedy right there um, uh, and because there's so much judgment, uh, obviously, uh, with what you like do. Like if, if like, you have allergies and you show up to like parent-teacher conferences with a little, little red-eyed, like you're already getting <laughs> yeah. written off. You're like, no, it's hay fever. Um, so, sure it is. But here's my thing, though. Like I have, I have two daughters. I have eight, eight and a six-year-old daughter. And like I, I, I mean – I would rather have them smoke marijuana, I think, experiment with marijuana than cigarettes or alcohol because I just think that one time using marijuana is is far less dangerous than one time using alcohol in terms of the potential for drinking and driving or sexual assault or something like that. And I feel cigarettes are so quickly addictive uh, and, and, and so much more dangerous. And so I don't want my daughter to do any of these things at all, but it, it, it obviously – and then the other thing is young people, they're not mature. They don't do things in moderation often. They abuse and use a lot. And so that's why we don't generally want young people um, you know, using any kind of these substances because they binge. They keep going. And kids don't – You know, there's not like uh, two 15-year-old boys who go, let's have a beer and watch the game. They're like <laughs> – they chant, drink, 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 you pussy, and that's, that's the game. But I mean do, you, is there, do I sound like a shitty parent when I say that? But – Knowing and seeing what I've seen. I think it's interesting that, um, you know, because of what you've learned from um, public health messages about the negative effects of nicotine and alcohol, that you wouldn't want your children to um, partake in those. And I think that I'm not even talking about what I've learned. I'm talking about anecdotally my experience in life, losing friends to drinking and driving. Um, My mom was addicted to cigarettes. Uh, my brother went to rehab for alcohol and marijuana. I mean, mm-hmm. and, we, and I'm, I mean, I'm not sounding like some victim. Everybody has that story. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking as a parent, what do I, what's best for my children? I don't want them drinking. Well, I, you wouldn't I'm, want them smoking pot necessarily either. No, I wouldn't. But if I don't think my kids are going to be like I was and not do anything. I didn't touch anything till I was 24. Yeah, I know. It's weird. <laughs> That's why my, he's so weird. And my brother was in uh, rehab when I was 16, and I, he was 18. We did this intervention, and it was like the most dramatic thing for me. And I, and then, uh, you know, I just, just thought it was terrible, alcohol particularly. But Yeah, I mean, uh, we can study all of the harms and everything, but the truly most harmful thing about marijuana is that it's illegal. And, you know, that's, that's really— Do you agree with that? 
I mean, I I don't I, I feel like they're they're we're talking about like two separate issues. So but what you said earlier, respond. because well, because people are dying in the drug war. People are being put in jail for having marijuana, using marijuana, selling marijuana. And and if it were legal, there would still be a lot of harm done, but not that kind of harm. I mean, again, I, for me, it's we're t- they're two very separate right. things. I right. mean, when I when I think about, you know, the pros and cons of legalizing marijuana, I mean, the obvious con to me is that, you know, it'll be available at a much higher rate and people who are, you're, you know, it'll be more available to adolescents who are more at risk for developing dependence. And again, I, I mean, f- talking about the war on drugs. More available the, than uh, it is now? If it's regulated and you have to sell it to people who are only 21 and over? And it's, yeah, why would I mean, it Because people would still sell it illegally. That's you're going to have the um, decreased perceived risk. There's there's evidence, especially in Colorado, that there's diversion of medical marijuana. Um, and it's been shown that, it's not surprising, um, it's been shown that there's increased use in states that have uh, marijuana legalization. This isn't surprising. Right. But, um, I'm, I mean, but I, I don't think, think that... increased use is necessarily a bad thing. I mean, maybe with adolescents, but increased use and per, per, uh, perceived harm being lower, it, you know, the perceived harm right now, I mean, people still believe all kinds of drug war myths about marijuana doing all kinds of crazy things to them. So maybe that perceived harm should be reduced. All right, well, I mean, the... it also I mean, it also seems like it's very popular to believe that there is no risk involved with it at all. Um, which I think, you know, there has to be a middle ground there. Uh, well, listen, uh, a fascinating conversation from two uh, people who know a lot about it. I really appreciate you guys both coming in studio today and uh, uh, joining our, our marijuana roundtable. And, and, and Danny, I know that you brought some marijuana for us all to smoke, so <laughs> I guess we're supposed to do that now. It's all gone. Sorry. What? <laughs> what? I wish you guys had gotten to the eating thing before I ate it all. Oh, sorry. Wow. <laughs> Wasted even, it. We Wasted didn't even it. get to the. Does marijuana make you hungry? Um, do we know that for you a know, fact? Evidence points to uh, it does increase appetite. And Danny, marijuana do you withdrawal agree? decreases it. it uh, what do does agree. decrease? Withdrawal. withdrawal. Marijuana withdrawal when you stop uh, smoking. You get dec- skinnier. And Danny <laughs> would agree that uh, anecdotally that uh, you get the munchies? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the biggest medicinal factors if people have, uh, you know, AIDS. Loss waste, of appetite. A, loss of appetite, yeah. nausea, AIDS, wasting syndrome, chemotherapy, mm-hmm. things like that all reduce uh your ability to hold down food or your hunger. And if uh, you can smoke something that makes you more hungry, you, you can stay alive in some cases. Uh, well, listen, uh, uh, Danny, going to the extreme every time and uh, to make the point. And uh, in some cases, uh, that is true. Uh, I appreciate both of you coming in. Uh, let's give them follows on Twitter at Ziva Cooper at Danny Danko. Uh, give them follows on Twitter. And uh, can I are you going to leave these two copies yeah. of uh, High Times for my Absolutely. friend? Absolutely. My friend. <laughs> Uh, who likes marijuana. Uh, we, uh, we're out of time, but thank you guys so much for coming thank in. Thank you we'll, so much we'll, for we'll having take us. take a quick break and come back with, with your calls on this and government shutdown and, and, and everything else. We'll be right back.